You are listening to the European Pavilion Podcast. world is a stage and all the men and women are merely players. Still, let us backstage workers in the theater stay true to our own selves. Cobblers sticking to their shoehorns, actors to their parts, the moon to the earth, the earth to the sun, while the sun continues its ongoing journey on the endless orbit between sunrise and sunset. Welcome back to the European Pavilion podcast a series that aims to stimulate a critical and creative debate on the future of Europe. So far, we've discussed topics related to post-national imaginaries, citizenship, identity and representation. I am your host, Laure Gablier. In our previous episode, we invited activists and organizers Zamzam Ibrahim and Yotzi Martin as well as philosopher and novelist Tristan Garcia, to talk about the tension between being present and being represented. Today, we resume our conversation and continue our drift through the city in the company of the poet Sophie Kemeni, who you heard at the beginning of this episode. Sophie reads a selection of poems written as part of Yoti Martin's project, Owning the Game, which deals with the representation of Roma LGBTQI communities. To start the conversation, Yotzi introduces the significance of self-representation. Because that's a really important to make a difference between representation and self-representation. And in my case, self-representation, it's a higher quality. Owning the game, for me, it means that now we are the one who decide that how we want to look like on pictures, in videos, which is going to be in public spaces. You know, when we are talking about lack of representation, we need to mention also the bad representation. And it's all coming from the fact that we were not the one who led how we would like to be portrayed. And it's not just about Roma people, and it's not just about the intersection Roma-LGBTQ people. That's what we see also with women. We cannot say that women lack of representation, but they have, unfortunately, historically, a representation what was led by man's being women like the way we choose to present ourselves the way we choose to speak the way in which we engage with the world is like a often like a self-representation of all women right like we we and like and, and it comes and it, and, it, and it gets more intricate when you're a black woman right so then you're like holding the torch for every single black woman that exists and then you're a muslim woman then you're holding the torch for every black muslim woman that exists you know and it gets more complicated and more complicated like that so often like it's so difficult to exist in those spaces where you're like wanting to just i just want to be a human being that has that works in this field right and like everything else is like my private decisions and my private choices right but actually that often gets taken away from us and so it is it's is like a battle and i think like us figuring out like what our self-image is and like what we're content with 
it's so diluted by between like what we learn in society and like what is around us and and how people perceive us and so i think it's a difficult it's a it's a difficult question to answer and i think like we probably often like go through swathes of like self-education and like i think so much to unlearn as well like there are there is just so much that we've learned from a young age whether it's like being treated badly and when you're a little girl in school like a, a boy bullies you and you get told like oh he likes you and that's what that's what happens and that's actually like it leads to like uh, accepting abuse at, 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 at. there are so many parallels between like so many harmful practices that we learn as young kids and we take on because we we think that's normality and the more you grow up and the more you like start to question these practices and you start to really understand less to like why do i act like this and why do i think like this it allows you to then understand that there's so much you have to unlearn almost everything that society has taught us about what it is to be a woman we more, more or less have to unlearn right claiming one's image means first of all freeing oneself from self-imposed cultural biases. As Zamzam Ibrahim reminds us, it is a process of unlearning, of moving away from habits that are too rarely questioned and end up being accepted as normal. In what follows, Tristan Garcia tries to unpack what it could mean for an activist to embody certain contradictions and blind spots in our society. What probably activists now means it's to embody uh, different ideas and sometimes contradictory ideas and to try to put it together in, in one form of life and to show that it's possible to put it together. But most of the time it's very violent for them because they are embodying uh, social contradictions and they have to live through this uh, social contradiction. Because most of the time they are um, asked to choose <laughs> and they do not want to choose. They want to show uh, um, uh, an inner conflict, an inner contradiction and to articulate it through their body and their life. And this is one kind of activism. Um, I think the other one is trying to disembody identity. This is the one that we see when we see the black blocks. This is uh, the one linked to anonymous, to online activism. And it's, it, it's two different, I don't know if there's a, uh, no conflict, but at some point you have to choose between disappearing or appearing, between being an activist, meaning to, um, to reveal social contradiction through your body, through your life, through your identity, and to put it together and to show it and to ask for recognition. And on the other hand, to disembody identity, try to become anyone, to, be, to have the right to be undetermined, to be undefined, to escape from all kinds of identification, identification from the state, from administration, from uh, the police. Um, and my, my concern, and I have no answer to that, is um, until when will it be possible to, to keep together the ideal of uncertainty and being undefined, being... Um, being anyone, trying to be anyone as a figure of freedom and emancipation, non, not being assigned to, to one identity, and on the other hand, and it's necessary, embodying I different identities and to, to ask uh, for recognition. I don't know if it's possible to keep it together. Indeed, there is a tension that exists at the core of different activist strategies, 
but also arising from a wider divide. Where do we speak from? Do we have a voice and a stage? And ultimately, do we have a choice not to engage? By sharing our personal experiences, Zamzam Ibrahim shows how, for instance, some of her intimate choices have become the subject of public debate and thus have been taken away from her. I think realistically, when you're a black Muslim woman, like you're, there are some things that are no longer private, right? Like the question around whether I should be allowed to wear my hijab or not, which is a private and, 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 and intimate decision for, between me and my God, has already been made a public debate. Right. And so actually, like there are there are times in which I have to do things and like my, me wearing my headscarf is like an act of resilience. Right. It's an act of like um, and and like often. So I think the choice in that space has been taken away from me. And I think often like we find ourselves, especially as women, like the um, as women, like the way we dress has always been questioned from 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 the beginning of time, whether we, whether it's as Muslim that we overdress or like if it's if it's women not wanting to um, wear a ridiculous amount of clothes. Right. Like we've always been policed by men of like how we should dress and how we should act and what we should do. Um, and so like as women, we often like find it quite liberating to decide what it is we will do and how we will do it. Right. And like, that isn't a choice, that's an act of resistance. So you're actually making a decision based off what society has already predicated. Those two strawberries that grown together form a single shapeless strawberry. The lamp in the semolina pudding. That bug in your hair, swept out in a soft gesture of love. The hand covered in soil after gardening. The prosody error that makes you remember that song forever. The fermented grape juice, the wine, the star in the sky that spoils the perfect darkness, folds, imperfect bodies, beauty. You are listening to the European Pavilion Podcast. Being represented also implies being recognized by institutions and peers, and this means, as Tristan Garcia argues, recognizing them in turn. So the thing is, at some point, you have always to decide what emancipation means for you. Does it mean to be recognized? But the price to pay is when you want to be recognized by an institution, you have to recognize the institution as well. So you are, in a way, you are giving some strength to uh, to an institution. Emancipation is only a matter of uh, being recognized. You have to recognize what <laughs> is going to recognize you. It's symmetrical. Politics of uh, recognition are always symmetrical. On the other hand, if emancipation means for you being undefined, unspecified, having no... Um, civil uh, identity being against uh, uh, politics as policy, uh, being against identity, uh, well, you have to go outside of this institution and you have to find against them on the outside. And I think it's not at some point, uh, you cannot have both, you have to choose sometimes. I guess that in the years to come, there will be more and more conflict between activists, for example, that are interested in asking for recognition because of racial issues, of gender issues, uh, social issues, and asking for recognition. 
uh, asking for quotas, for example, one and so on. But at the same time, recognizing that there should be such an institution. And on the other hand, activists going on the outside and asking for anonymity against, uh, um, do you want to be anonymous or do you want to be someone? The real question, and it's an open question to me, is to be emancipated, is it to be someone recognized as such, as such by an institution or to be anyone? And then you have to escape from identity. So it's not about identity politics. It's about identity as a philosophical concept. Do you want to be someone or do you want to be anyone uh, in politics? Societies shaped by agreements, presumptions, but also contradictions that affect our everyday lives and interactions. In order to be able to inhabit these places of friction, it is not only a matter of being recognized, but also of creating a sense of community. For Josie Martin, self-representation is a means of claiming a sense of belonging, which nevertheless comes hand in hand with an effort to challenge pervasive stereotypes. First of all, I would like to start that the self-representation, as it's in, in a minority point of view, it's uh, almost impossible. So, so many times I felt that I just simply cannot get rid of the conception of the majority people. So somehow I'm always taking it in. I cannot just completely leave it out. And many times when we would like to talk about ourselves, we just realize that we are seeing ourselves through a majority glass, you know. And that's what we need to somehow consciously to get rid of it. It is often a matter of unlearning some of our assumptions. One of the ideas was, at the beginning, that I wanted to decrease the stereotypes against my groups. After I was just thinking that if I'm continuously going against the stereotype, repeating that it's just not true or something like that, there is not going to be place for me to talk about myself, you know? <laughs> so, so that's why I think that it's really important to divide two things, self-representation, and the task to decrease the stereotypes against our group. There is two different things. It should be done, but it needs to be completely uh, divided. Now, thanks to social media, our society become a little bit more democratic in a sense. On social media platforms such as Facebook, young Roma people started to be present and their followers are mostly their Roma peers actually. So I can say the same regarding to people who live with various disabilities. They also find a way to reach their public through social media. But it doesn't change the fact that we are excluded. Because the mainstream public representation is the only platform which makes you believe that you count as well. All the rest is like, how to say, I, will, I would put it that it's a development what we welcome, but it has nothing to do with inclusion. So all the acknowledgement goes to the inventive young minority people who are trying to take the most from the available tools. And the mainstream media has the power, you know. It's the only one who tells you that you are also worse, you also count. You and your topic is for everybody, you know, it's, it's worth to talk about it. 
So that's why I feel that these things are really nice and really good and I'm happy because at least we can take a little platform, but it's not something what we can be satisfied with. New technologies continue to impact our lives and have Well, the banning of Donald Trump from many social media platforms has opened up a debate over what is right and what is wrong. Facebook is a central part of life in Myanmar. It's why the military has shut it down. Accessibility continues to be an issue. New technologies are not always created to be accessible to everyone. In this course, we internet in Myanmar, most people, including people within government agencies, Digital platforms play an important role in our social fabric, and this has grown even more significant as physical interactions are restricted by the coronavirus pandemic. If social networks offer a platform to make one's voice heard, they can also create harmful echo chambers. For Yoti Martin, the opportunity of self-organization offered by the internet is also a form of confinement. In the end, it's just not enough. There is a materiality attached to social media that cannot be ignored. As Tristan Garcia points out, it is not neutral. Far beyond its infrastructure or business models, social media has altered how we do public life. It is simply too early to judge how it has affected and will continue to affect our political struggles. We all know that, uh, that Facebook and Google and that uh, algorithm of, um, I don't know, uh, facial recognition, patterns of recogni identity recognition, for example, it's not completely estranged from the political ideal of self-representation. There's a link between technological tool for identity representation online and at the same time, the claim of, let's say, emancipatory self-representation. Yeah, I think at least we must ask the question of the materiality of self-representation. Okay, for the ideal of uh, self-representation is a necessity, but at the same time, it has some materiality. And the materiality of self-representation are social media, um, new technology patterns and algorithm of um, individual recognition. And is it an ideal of uh, political freedom? I don't know, I'm not sure. And most of the activists know that. They, they, they can feel that there is, a, there is an issue. And I don't know, we are using Zoom, for example. We are, we are using some technological tool, and it's not neutral. I mean, we are using it, we are, we are having a conversation through it, and it means that the materiality of our conversation, even if our conversation is about emancipation, is, the materiality of it is saying something about... Um, the, the things that we need and that we, we depend and we rely on. And so there's maybe not a contradiction, but at least we, we, we must reflect upon the, upon, uh, and on the materiality of, uh, of our ideal of uh, self-representation and conversation and emancipation. Zamzam Ibrahim has an ID. It is about giving ourselves the space for imagination. And for this to be productive, it has to be paired with a change in the way we observe, what we think is possible. In the end, it all comes back to education. Our leaders are essentially badly educated. 
when you when you speak to a young person like like your nephew your niece and like and you ask them to imagine they'll come up with the most creative like mind they'll they'll tell you like i'm gonna be a superhero when i grow up i'm gonna be wearing this and they're like and they'll imagine that and they'll put it into action and they'll tell you exactly what they're going to do and they'll just create this whole new world in their head within seconds they go through the education system and you watch them from year to year to year to losing that spark right and that's because we they essentially get told that what they can and they can't do constantly right you can't do this you can't do that maybe you, you were allowed to do that but not that but not that and so what happens is like their ability to reimagine the world completely gets squashed more and more to the point where like i guess by the time you finish university you are programmed to essentially like churn out this amount of work to be able to pay your your rent and all your bills and then do the same again the next month again and again and again and again and you're told that's just how the world goes like that is that's the cycle for me one of the most important things is like when we talk about education systems and even i think there is so much work that needs to be done in like reforming our education systems right and and, and understanding that people learn in different ways and like we need to be able to I think there's like a fundamental thing of like actually like allowing young people to um, develop different skills, right? Like and 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 then learn learn in different ways and learn in different environments and challenge them. We are coming to the end of our conversation, and we may be taking with us more questions and answers. But one thing is certain: in imagining the future of Europe. We must not forget that a political project is built on the shoulders of each man and woman who gives it substance. In this venture, we hope that the European Pavilion, launched by the European Cultural Foundation in 2020, can contribute by providing a space, both conceptual and physical, where not only everyone is represented, but above all, where we do not shy away from complexity. Europe, uh, if Europe as a well, whole could become this kind of space, not defined by uh, by history and by, <laughs> but being at the same time grounded and defined by the people who are there, just the people who are there. I mean, and it can be people from out of Europe. Let's try to make the people who are there define uh, the space they are living in. Representation has proven to be a challenging topic to discuss. We would like to thank our guests for their trust when addressing questions where the intimate and the public meet. In our next episode, with paleontologist Tim Flannery, we will discuss what natural history tells us about our perception of Europe and its public space. Az ember test és lélek és szellem. Ha a lélek testes, a test is lelkes és néha mindkettő szellemes. Pénzből él az ember, és emberből él a pénz. A test és a lélek nem eladó, kivéve ha eladja őket a szellem. A szexnek nem kéne munkának lennie, és a munkának nem kéne szexnek. De hát az emberből él a pénz, a pénz tehát a zsarnok. A körülmények megváltoztatása az egyetlen, ami megadhatja az embernek a választás szabadságát. Az alatvalók megbélyegzése és kirekesztése helyett a zsarnokot kellene megdönteni. The human being is body and soul and spirit. In case the soul is full-bodied, the body is soulful. And, at times, both of them are full of spirit. Money makes people go round. And people make money go round. 
body and soul aren't for sale, except for where spirit is selling them off. Sex shouldn't count as work, and work shouldn't count as sex. But it is people that make money go round. Money is a tyrant, therefore. Only a change in circumstances can grant freedom of choice to people. Instead of stigmatizing and excluding subjects, one should overthrow tyrants. You listened to the European Pavilion Podcast.